Well, we've reached that time of the year that I have historically referred to as the hectic season. We are now on the verge of going into the holiday season. Uh, as I count it, thank, uh, Christmas is 33 days from today. And I'm sure that you've gotten all your shopping done and all that, especially in a COVID world where nothing is normal anymore. I wonder just how hectic this hectic season will be. Thanksgiving is this week, and I'm wondering how thankful you're feeling right now. I, I've been kind of listening to the voices of select people in my life, trying to discern just how thankful they are going into this, and I, I think it's a struggle for many of us. We're so locked into what's not going well that it kind of impacts us on things like Thanksgiving. So as we come into that today, I, I want to give you a message again out of the book of Ruth. We started in that last week. We're going all the way to the end of the book today, and that's in Ruth chapter 4. So if you don't have a Bible handy, I would suggest you grab one quickly. And uh, as, as we come to this Thanksgiving season, and especially if you're not feeling particularly thankful today, or maybe you're just defaulting into that, that kind of rote thankfulness that we sometimes use at this time of the year, here's a couple of truths for you that I think will take us through and they'll bubble up out of the passage that we're looking at today. Thankfulness is the natural response to discerning God's involvement in one's life. Let me say that again. Thankfulness is the natural response to discerning God's involvement in one's life. I'll give it to you in shorthand and say that thankfulness is grounded in hope. Naomi's story in the book of Ruth uh, helps us to understand that. She becomes an example again for us in the face of suffering and trouble and trials and pain. She gives us that example of how we might kind of dig in and find reason to be thankful, to find reason for hope. And what starts out as a story that is not really a whole lot of hope in it, by the time we get to the end of chapter four of Ruth's book, we find that there's all kinds of reason to be thankful there. So I want to unpack that a little bit today. And uh, take a Bible, we'll go to uh, Ruth chapter 4, and we'll read that in just a few moments. But for right now, let's begin with a word of prayer, and then we'll come back and begin to unpack this passage. So, Father, as we come into this time, during this Thanksgiving season, we pray that you would help us to be better at discerning your hand and your involvement in the world around us. In these days when we may feel like and might even think that there's not that much out there for us to be thankful for, help us to see well, help us to think well, and help us to listen well as your spirit prompts us towards understanding what is going on around us, where your hand is at work, and then let that drive us to true thankfulness not the rote stuff that so often kind of moves into center stage, but a genuine thankfulness for you and for your involvement with us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. We'll be back in just a moment. So as we move into this sec uh, segment, I, I want to say something that may not make a lot of sense right at the top, but by the time we get to the end of this, it will. And that is the encouragement at Thanksgiving time. Don't be a chapter one person. 
Here's what I mean by that. When we finish out chapter one, we didn't quite finish it last week, so I'm going to go back and, and highlight a couple of things about how Naomi is at the end of chapter one. Um, it's easy for us to see her situation go, okay, yeah, I get that. I understand why she might be bitter. But we don't often translate that into our lives. And so I want you to think for just a moment as we go into this. Do you know any people these days who just seem to be marked by bitterness? We've been in lockdown mode now for a while, and we've had our normal just totally destroyed over the last eight months or so. And I'm finding that there are more and more bitter people out there. And last week I talked about the anxiety that's in our world today and even finds its way into our churches these days. That anxiety that it comes out of, we don't know what's going to happen, we don't know what the end of this is. Uh, And sometimes anxiety finds its way into our hearts in such a way that we become very bitter about things that are going on. So that's Naomi in chapter 1. So don't be a chapter 1 kind of a person. Those people that I'm talking about that are bitter these days. My dad used to have a really colorful way of describing things about life. And uh, he used to talk about bitter people as, um, as people who looked like they had been baptized in pickle juice. And so just kind of let that image settle in on you and now start putting faces onto that image. People that you know who handle their lives in such a way that they just, it's like they're mad at the world. And if you happen to get in their way on a bad day, then you're going to take the brunt of what they say and what they feel. Here's a good definition for the word bitter. And it's used about people or their feelings or their behavior. So the definition that we find is it is to be angry, hurt, or resentful because of one's bad experiences or a sense of unjust treatment. Now do you have faces that you can put with that? Notice the cause. In that definition, it gives the cause for why people tend to be bitter. And it says because of someone's bad experiences or a sense of unjust treatment. Does that sound familiar in our day? I mean, do you find the the seeds of bitterness in what we're going through and have been going through for a while? I'm not going to say that I enjoy doing this, but one of the ways that I try to keep my finger on the pulse of not only church members, but also our society at large, is by watching social media and listening to what's behind the words that we find there. Maybe people, you know, a lot of times in, in this day, people speak in memes more than they try to get their own words into it, uh, and that's revealing. Uh, But some people use their own words, and that's revealing. There's a lot of anxiety, but boy, there is a lot of bitterness out there, even among Christian people. And that combines, while I understand that, I I, I don't think that that gives us, just because things are going wrong in our society, I, I don't think it gives us, as Christians, the freedom to harbor bitterness, And so I think it's a good time for us during the Thanksgiving season for us to step back from all of the things that might make us feel one way or another or say one thing or another or treat people in one way or another. And let's kind of get behind what God is doing and let's find those reasons to be thankful. Reasons that go beyond that kind of stock stuff of, well, I'm thankful for my family and I'm thankful for, you know, whatever it is. Those are important. 
But a spirit of thanksgiving is much different than just words of thanksgiving. So let's jump into this passage and let's see where we find that in Naomi. Again, we're in chapter 1. As you will recall from last week, Naomi uh, encountered a famine that caused her to become a refugee. And after she got to being a refugee in Moab, then her husband died and uh, her sons married Moabite women. And then those sons died. And so here's Naomi whose life has fallen apart. And she becomes extremely bitter in this. As a matter of fact, if you go, look, I'm reading now the English Standard Version, but other translations, the message, for instance, uh, gives a really graphic picture of the Hebrew language here as she talks about being bitter and her life situation as bitter and even God's role in that. So let's read chapter 1, verses 20 through 21. Actually, I'm going to back up to verse 19. Here's what it says. So the two of them went on. That's Ruth and Naomi, went on until they came to Bethlehem. And when they came to Bethlehem, the whole town was stirred because of them. And the women said, is this Naomi? She said to them, do not call me Naomi, call me Mara, which means bitter. For the Almighty has dealt very bitterly with me. I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me and the Almighty has brought calamity upon me? Well, just in that, we can see the bitterness growing out uh, in what she's saying. But let's dig in just a little bit on some of the words that she says and some of the cause for that bitterness. First of all, you, you can't miss the fact that she believes that God is complicit in this situation, that she has encountered these things because God is against her. Look at the three statements in verse 21 that help us to understand that. She says, I went away full and the Lord has brought me back empty. That's a graphic term, actually. Most of the time in the Old Testament, when that word empty is used there, it is referring to something that was full and all of a sudden was taken away. Very literally translated, it refers to the scabbard as one pulls the sword out of the scabbard and it leaves this empty vessel there. She's using it to say, God has done this to me. I was full. My life purpose as a mother was full. And then God took it all away and now I'm empty. Very graphic terminology. The next one we find in verse 21 Why call me Naomi when the Lord has testified against me? Very literally translated, that word testified there means has injured me, has done mischief to me. And then on top of that, it's written in a very intense way. So it's not like, well, you know, God didn't treat me right. It's it's this, this almost an attacking kind of language that she's using. And then finally, she uses the word calamity has come, or as the NIV says, misfortune is my middle name now, so to speak. So I want to say as we close this segment off, we see why Naomi is like that. Her whole world fell apart. But I'm more concerned about us today. Naomi's story has another chapter, and we're going to get to that in just a few moments. But before we move on, don't be a chapter one kind of Christian in this day. Again, the things going on around us help to explain why some of us are bitter, but it doesn't excuse that. Life events have a way of eroding our foundation for joy. And when our joy is gone, 
then our thanksgiving becomes hollow if it's there at all. Uh, I like to say it this way, situational focus, that is our eyes on the situation, coupled with bad theology, God is doing this to me because he's just mean, have a way of combining to steal our hope away. And the result of that is bitterness. It's why we have so many Christians, I think, in this day that essentially are using that old thing that we say as kids, I, things are not going my way, so I'm just going to go sit in the corner and I'm going to eat worms. Except now we add to that and I'm going to be really angry about it. And then when I have the chance to let my anger go, don't be in my way. It grows from a seed of bitterness. And it's not an appropriate stance for a Christian. So if that's you in this pandemic Thanksgiving season, Thanksgiving is going to be really hard for you to work up in this. So own that. In other words, make sure that you recognize that's really where I am. That's how I feel. And maybe you hadn't really thought about that until you've heard this and you identify with Naomi a lot more than you thought you did. And so bring that to the table and let that be something that you say, okay, that's how I feel. And you have to own that. But then you need to get out of the rut that that puts you in. Uh, back to my dad and the way he used to explain some things. He used to say that a rut is nothing other than a grave with both of the ends dug out. It, it's a place that will kill you in one way or another. It kill your spirit for one thing, especially if you're in a rut of bitterness because of everything that's going on and things are not going your way. Maybe it's at church or at your job or in your neighborhood or maybe even within your own heart and soul. Things are not going your way and bitterness becomes a rut that you get stuck in and you will die there if you don't take steps to get that corrected. In this last segment coming up, we'll talk about what those steps might look like for you and what it was for Naomi. We'll be right back. In our last segment and in chapter one of Ruth's book here, we, we have this truth that comes to the surface. And that is that situational focus has a way of stealing our hope away. Naomi's life uh, had hit the rocks. Her husband died, well, a famine, so she's a refugee. Her husband dies. Her boys die after marrying foreign women. And it's just... It just settles in on her. And in that society especially, there's, there's really little hope that she could ever be what she felt like she was supposed to be as a mother and as a wife. Uh, situational focus has a way of stealing our hope away. And that's true for us in this pandemic at Thanksgiving time. And the reason I say it that way is because when we lose hope, then we also tend to lose joy. We've, we begin to have trouble seeing what's good around us and what God is doing around us and the cause for joy, which is that hope, that confidence we have in God because of Jesus Christ. And, and, and we can get so situationally focused that we totally lose sight of God in all of that. And so that situational focus causes us to lose hope. And then when we lose hope, we tend to lose joy. And that makes Thanksgiving really, really difficult for us to pull off. And that's Naomi in chapter 1. So I said in the last segment, don't be a chapter 1 kind of person. I'll say in this segment, you ought to be a chapter 4 person. And so let's look at chapter 4 and see what's happened here. We're, we're going to focus in on verses 13 through 17. 
It's the last little section before it gives a genealogy at the end, which is a critical piece of the book of Ruth, but, uh, and of salvation history for that matter. But in the beginning of this story, uh, we saw this bad situation. And then now at the end, here's what we find. Verses 13 through 17. Let me just uh, highlight the major change of what God has done for Naomi by the time we get to chapter 4. Verse 13. So Boaz took Ruth. And she became his wife, and he went into her, and the couple, I mean, excuse me, and the Lord gave her conception, and she bore a son. So what we find, now this is about Ruth and Boaz. Lots of story happens, and we'll get to that in just a moment. But uh, even though Naomi is the one that this little passage is going to be about, uh, it's the action of Ruth and of Boaz that inject hope into her life. And there's thankfulness that comes from that. Look at verses 13 through four, uh, 14 and 15 to help us understand why verse 13 is important. And then the women said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord. That's another way of saying thanksgiving to God for this. Blessed be the Lord who has not left you this day without a redeemer and may his name be renowned in Israel. He shall be to you a restorer of life and a nourisher of your old age. For your daughter-in-law who loves you, who is more to you than seven sons, has given birth to him. So Naomi has a daughter-in-law who now is married. That's a bigger story. Again, we'll come back to that in just a moment. But now she has a grandson. And so in that Jewish society of that time, that Hebrew society of that time, uh, now she has a legacy that goes on. It's an incredible turnaround for her. And the hopelessness of what was behind her now buds forth in hope as this new grandson is born and comes to the surface for them. And so they, they the ladies of that area, begin to honor God for what he's done on Naomi's behalf. Instead of her just saying, I'm bitter, just call me Miss Bitter, now they're calling her Miss Blessed. And so we come to Naomi's role in verse 16, where it says, Then Naomi took the child and laid him on her lap and became his nurse. A fulfilled purpose. The grandmother in that society, we think of the role of grandmothers in our society, and especially along the border. It's a huge role. And now her life is full. Instead of being that empty person that she was, now it is full and it is fulfilled and finally, verse 17, And the women of the neighborhood gave him a name, saying, A son has been born to Naomi. And they named him Obed. He was the father of Jesse, the father of David. Naomi's future now is wrapped up in this grandson. And beyond that, we will find that the line of the Messiah now is beginning to take shape. David, her great-grandson, who will be the one of the line that Jesus comes in as Messiah. What a great turnaround in her story. How did it turn around? And I'm not going to take the time for us to go through this, but let me just say it this way. You can't get from chapter 1 to chapter 4 without going through chapters 2 and 3. Because in chapters 2 and 3, there's so much that we could. I mean, this would be a, an entire sermon series, actually, but uh, we're just doing it for the holidays here. But in chapters 2 and 3, what we find is God is intentionally at work using people, Ruth first, and then Boaz, and then the story of this kinsman redeemer. God uses people, and then he uses their traditions 
to help move Naomi from being bitter to being blessed. Here's what I want you to get from that. God has a process that he uses with us. And he takes us through our lives and he's always at work. And he's always moving his plan forward, his story forward. And our place in that is that we find his handiwork and his hand in each one of those phases of our life, each one of those situations of our life. He's working throughout the process to accomplish his will for Ruth and for Boaz and for Naomi and ultimately for all of salvation history through this child that is born. There's a couple of reasons or a couple of things I think we take from that that help us with being thankful at the deepest level during this season. We might look at the pandemic around us and go, is a pandemic pandemic Thanksgiving? Is that even really a deal? It's a thing. It really is. So here's two points of reference for you. First of all, keys to thankfulness are that we never lose hope. And the only way we get to that is if we hold on to the truth that God is at work And when we cannot seem to be thankful for the situation, we should be thankful in the situation because we know that God is still at work. And the second thing that I would say is that we need to learn to see him in the situations that we face, situations of pain and suffering and trial, as we talked about last week. So see those things. And then hang on to those things. One of the reasons you can hang on to those things is because you know that there's an end to those things. There is an end to this pandemic somewhere. Even even if it's the return of Jesus Christ to take us all home, that's the end. That's the best end, actually. But there is an end to this suffering that we're in. And so in the meantime, in the process, we need to find God in the midst of it. And that injects hope into our lives. And then that opens the door for joy and thanksgiving. Let me say it this way as I close. Uh, I'm recording this on Wednesday, and on Tuesday evening, uh, by the time I got home from work and uh, got dinner done, it was dark outside, and I still needed to get some, uh, some of my daily walk and exercise in, and so I told Teresa, I'm going to go out, and I'll be back in a little while. As I went to walk the neighborhood, and uh, as I stepped out and was just almost off of my property at my house, I heard something going on across the street, and so uh, I looked over. It was dark and couldn't see much, and I couldn't see anything really going on, and so I just continued walking, and then I heard my neighbor call my name, and uh, so I stopped and looked over at him, and I I said, are you you okay? And he said, yeah. He said, I'm out here because I want to see the space station go over. It's supposed to come over us in the next few minutes. So I asked him if I could join him for that. Walked across the street. We stood in his yard right out in front of his house. And, uh, and sure enough, in just a couple of minutes, uh, he said, there it is. And so we looked off towards the horizon to the west, and we saw this faint light. And then as we watched it for about three minutes, we watched it go from the horizon all the way straight above us. And what I found interesting in that was that it was faint at first, And the closer to us that it got, the brighter it got. Of course, it's moving fast, and I'm watching this thing, and it gets really bright. And then my neighbor says, now watch, because it's about to get uh, into the shadow of the earth, and it's going to go away. 
And sure enough, within just a handful of seconds, that bright reflection from the sun all of a sudden became totally dark and we couldn't see it anymore. That's a great picture for us about how we should see things going on around us, that situation that might steal our joy and rob us of hope. At times, we don't see it at all. And then it shows up and then it gets brighter, more intense, and we get maybe more and more bitter about it. But if we see it from God's vantage point, at some point there's an end to that struggle. There'll be another one coming behind it somewhere. But at some point, the one that we're in will fade away. So the question becomes, are you going to watch the struggle? Are you going to watch for the hand of God in it? When you find God's hand in it, you'll have every reason in the world to be thankful. So in this Thanksgiving season, as you go into this Thanksgiving week, I trust that it will be a great time of Thanksgiving for you, for your family, all those things that we normally say. But put with that in this pandemic season, I can be thankful that God has not abandoned me in it, that he's at work in it, and he has a plan for my life. And if you're joining us and you don't know God's plan for your life, let me just boil it down to this. God's plan for your life is that you have life. And that comes only through Jesus Christ. And if you don't know Jesus Christ on a personal level, on a saving level, where he forgives you for your sin and gives you that confidence that you are his child, uh, then we want you to contact us. Number comes up on the screen here. Get a hold of us and let's talk about who Jesus is and the life that he gives you. And then you'll really have cause to be thankful. God bless you. Have a great week.